0: This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. My guest today is my dear friend John Devine. Now, John was part of the multi-purpose canine program in the SEAL teams, and now in the private sector, trains dogs for private citizens, as well as co-founding something called the Rescue 22 Foundation. That's the shirt I'm wearing right here. And the Rescue 22 Foundation uh, provides fully trained service and support dogs for veterans suffering from the physical and emotional trauma of the battlefield. Uh, I'm very proud to be associated with this organization very proud to be an ambassador for them and putting a fully trained service dog uh, in the hands of a veteran is just life-changing so uh, john devine thank you so much for all you did in the seal teams all you do today and thank you for training our dog scout and uh, for those who have followed for a little while you may know that our dog scout is a service dog for our middle child who has some severe special needs so um Absolutely incredible and life changing for us as a family. So, John, thank you again. And for those listening or watching, if you like the conversation, be sure and leave a five star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find John Divine at Divine Canine John on Instagram, also Divine Canines on Instagram, and also Rescue Twenty Two Foundation on Instagram as well. So. With that, John Devine. All right. All right. John Devine, what's up, brother? Nothing much. Just having a good time here at SHOT Show 2020. 2020. Yep. Dude, it's so good to see you. Thank you. So awesome. We have so much to talk about. I know, huh? Um, and I'm not even sure where to start this thing. Um, um, let's do. Uh, start a little background okay. on you, on uh, Divine Canine, and on Rescue 22. And then we'll kick it off from there after some. everybody has a little bit of a baseline. All right. So... My
1: dog life, I'll say, started in the SEAL teams. Yeah. So it was a program that was kind of a uh, kind of a hidden program that not a lot of people knew about. But you know, after deployment, I got to experience what the dogs were doing, and I was like, "Wow!" As a new guy, I was like, "That is incredibly awesome." I never even knew the SEALs had that, you know. And I just told myself, if that was ever an opportunity that I could that I could actually do this, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So immediately uh, after the deployment, put in to try to do it, and I was immediately shot down and said, "No, you can't. You know, you're a fire team leader. Of this deployment, if we need you." You know, I'm like, "All right, maybe, maybe someday, maybe it wasn't meant to be." Because like being a dog guy was not, wasn't my life passion as a kid. You know, I would want to be a Navy SEAL, want to be a sniper, want to go overseas. Yeah. You know, you know, fight terrorism. But uh, a few months later, a new directive came out. They wanted to expand the dog team by hundred percent. So anybody that was showing interest earlier immediately got hit up and was like, John, do you still want to go to the dog teams? Yeah. And I said immediately to my senior chief at the time, I said, well, how much time do I have to decide? He said about five minutes, because after that, I sounds thought,
0: fairly typical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have to go down the list to the next guy. Yeah. I'm not surprised. And so uh, I took a leap of faith right there. And that was, a, that was probably one of the most crucial turning points of my life, really. And that the next day I was at the dog teams and, you know, a little bit of training, but mostly hazing. <laughs> where you get bit by every single dog at the team really you know how, just,
0: ma- how many dogs is that so kind of like what you just, what you experienced just now yes i just experienced an awesome bite well first a bite there if everybody was watching on video you can see that uh yes there was a bite suit on yes but with a hundred pound Belgian malinois yes uh it it helps yes it yes. definitely helps because my <laughs> bone didn't shatter but uh but yeah it breaks through and uh and gets you pretty good so uh uh there's yeah there's that but then that 70 pound dog yeah. like that, I felt like I feel like I might have a chance yeah with well, 70 pound dog do that times 12. Oh my
1: but gosh. then also add in the fact that you're actually fighting the dog rolling around the ground with him. It's like having an
0: MMA fight with a dog crazy yeah. which, which I incorporated into the third novel calling you and figuring yeah, yeah, out yeah. What, what makes sense what's, what are the counters to this oh, and boy. all these different things and I can't that was wait. so cool I, and I, I wish I had sent it it was just been such a crazy crazy year. Yeah. But I wish I'd sent the finished product to you so you could be like, oh, you really messed this up. <laughs> so so we'll see. So it'll be a surprise to you, everybody when you it know, comes out. I, I have high hopes
1: because I really believe that you know, with everything that you've seen, you're going to be able to bring something to the table that nobody has seen yet in books, in Hollywood, in, in anything. Because everything has just been imagination, but you've actually seen some real world stuff that's going to be able to
0: give some yeah. flavor to this appreciate it and uh and yeah the dog uh the bite there was awesome so I did that before I did that in um maybe gosh 2005 6 somewhere in somewhere in that time frame so it's yeah. been a while yeah. since I've put on the suit yep. and uh let the dog I was trying to run through my mind like oh, there should I get a briefing before this? Or yeah. what, should I, what should I be doing? What if it bites me in the face? That was our safety briefing. Brief. What if it bites me in the face? <laughs> that was awesome. That was, so you're getting 12 dogs to attack you. And yep. So this is, you finish your first platoon. You're uh, going to go to the second one. You get this opportunity. Off you go to the dog team. Yeah. Tryout is essentially, okay, new guy put on this suit, yeah. and here comes and here comes the Belgian And What
1: happens really is guys either... Say this is not for me, yeah. or this is freaking awesome, wow. And I think for me at the moment it was a little bit of both. because yeah. I was like, man, am I just going to get chewed on every day? Yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> which you do, You're but the, uh, you know, test dummy, yeah. And then I went through the you know the whole process of you know it really is kind of an apprenticeship that you really have to learn, uh, and then you do go through a handler course. So there's that. You get matched up with a dog. You know, hopefully you and your dog make it through the handler course and make it through you know, the training and actually qualify to deploy because there is a process of just because you make it through the handler course doesn't mean no. you, you and your dog are gonna make it to the end. Got it. To actually deploy because a lot of the dogs do get
0: flushed out of the program. Right. right. Just like they're going through their buds. It's exactly two. what it
1: is, you know. They're taking the best dogs in the world and even the best dogs in the world, not all of them are making it through.
0: So know? don't have the attributes or there's something that happens along the way. It's exactly it.
1: And-, and it's not like these dogs just end up in shelters. I'm saying these dogs that don't make it through the SEAL program, they're ending up at other police departments, you know, FBI, other you know, other units, things like that, that may not require all the facets that a SEAL team needs. Got it. They need dogs that are heavy, heavy hitters, gifted detection dogs, are social enough to work with a team, are good at environmentals, can go in helicopters, loud noises, you know.
0: (laughs) Loud noises. (laughs) Loud
1: noises. (laughs) Yeah. And for them, their hearing is way more sensitive. So, you know, the things that the SEAL team asks a dog to do is much more than a typical canine program. Okay. Got it. Yep. And then, uh, so you go through that. You you pass? Yeah, I go through that. When I mean, your dog passes? Long story short, we started off as the worst handler team at
0: the handler course. Like, we... <laughs> I wish I'd known that before you just sent that dog after me. To I know, yeah. up yeah. on me.
1: <laughs> we really did. Like, I was... I, uh, you know, the dog that I, I got, he didn't really know how to sit when I first got him. He barely knew his name. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, some guys are getting dogs that have multiple deployments already. And like these dogs yeah. really are push button, you know, wow. experienced dogs. Okay. At the moment, I was given a dog that, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but he had all the potential in the world, but he was just a young dog with no experience. very, 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 very green. Got it. Uh, and I, we took that dog with the help of all the trainers that we worked with and whatnot. I, I went through the apprenticeship the you know handler course all the work up for deployments things like that and i really you know put the time into the dog i wasn't just putting in the nine to five you know i would take the dog home with me awesome. continue training because really in the back of my mind was i don't want thinking did i train my dog enough right before i deploy yeah you know, i don't ever want that creeping feeling in the back of my mind like didn't right. train enough right could i have done one more day could yeah. I've done one more run it's just like I
0: did everything I could. Now the chips just fall where they may because there's nothing more I could have done. Right. And that was the feeling on deployment, you know. And look, to my first experience with uh, a multi-purpose canine, and I forget exactly what they called them, was fairly fairly soon after 9-11. And it was Afghanistan. And I think it was... Like an MP type dog or whatever yep. whatever that was, Naval Security Services, or maybe it was Marine or Army, but it mm-hmm. wasn't a dog program dog yet. That's it a, was uh, like a, I don't know what, what you would call it, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, absolutely. That. So
1: that's a great point because the need that the SEAL team saw, they didn't have that program. This is actually, me being a history major here, I did look back and see the, the history of the SEAL teams. They actually did have a canine program in Vietnam. Oh, recently. nice. So didn't she, they do something odd, though? Yes. Okay. Yes. So like it was kind of like an adho- something non-sealish. They, but- it was German shepherds mostly. Oh, were they? Okay. Yeah, it
0: was. I thought there was like some poodles or something that no, were used no, at no, some point. For I mean, something. maybe who
1: knows? Who knows <laughs> what no. they were doing for recreational activities back? In the- I have No idea.
0: But that's for R and R.
1: Yeah, I don't the know. He was a morale dog. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but they did use German shepherds and things like that for apprehension, going in tunnels, wow. no finding no booby traps. And this is something that wasn't really passed on. So the program after Vietnam got shut down. Like they just didn't need it. So a lot of the seal program, you know, was shut down. And that they didn't need as many seals a lot of seals ended up getting out and you know even some of them had to get flushed to other rates and things like that when the the wind down after the war so when the war on terror started the seal teams didn't have a dog program so after a few years of knowing they needed them because they were augmenting having mps that already had the capability that's it problem with that is like a lot of these guys were you know canine handlers but they were not operators right you know so it's hard to integrate into a unit you know, you kind of have, like, a guy that's in charge of the handler to make sure he doesn't, you know. That's what we had. He's where he needs to be. So the handler has a handler. Yeah. The dog has a handler.
0: Right, right. You know. And I remember the dogs, they weren't obviously not trained like this. They were. Yeah. It was a different type of type of deal. And uh, I remember one guy took the, we're back from a mission one night, and they took the collar off the, for a second. I think it was, a, I don't know what name. Looked up at it, it handle, like like it's on, yeah. you know. it's like it wanted to be like attacked. <laughs> I distinctly remember that to this day, and it's been you know almost uh, you know fifteen yeah. years or whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, totally a different different deal than what we have today, which is com- so professional. Yeah. And uh, did we get it from? Uh, did we get from the Israelis who then brought it over to some of our other uh, units, Army and Navy side, top tier units, and then we got it in the in the teams after that, or how did that work out?
1: So I mean, really, the there, there's definitely other seals that are going to be able to give you the exact, you know, one of the, one of my dear friends that i work with uh he was one of the first handlers that was you know on the ground for the seal teams nice. back in like 2004 2005 era right yeah. there that's when like the first handlers for the SEAL teams came on board uh because before that was just augmented yeah. mps and ma's right. and things like that that's it ma's yeah yep. Was, yep 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 military police guys Minister of arms yep. right yep, yep. there that's you go it. Yep. gosh i yep. got it you've been out too Man. long i know <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh but uh you know he was one of the first first guys to actually go through the program. And really it was from the ground up yeah. I and mean, they were taking influence from everywhere and anywhere they could. Got it. But just like anything else, when the seals didn't have a sniper school, what'd they do? You know,
0: Marine They'd sniper bu- school. And then, exactly. we, then we
1: went there, learned all we could, exactly. one, and then and uh, built our own. Exactly. Yeah. They, you know, the teams, they build their own, you know, the teams used to have to go to, used to have to go to Fort Bragg for all their jump training. Uh, oh, I did. Yeah. I didn't have to, I was part of <laughs> your generation. You know, uh, we, we did all our jumps in five days. It was just like, yeah, yeah that was it. Uh, nice. But uh, yeah, the teams built it from the ground up, and they, you know, they did a really good job with it in that it became one of the top uh, you know, multi-purpose cannon programs in the world, and other special operations, special operations units have used that as an influence for their programs yeah. and developed their own now, and now it's like a real thing. Now there's multi-purpose cannon programs pretty much in every special operations unit in America now.
0: Oh you know? yeah, you can't even so, imagine going down range or, or going, into yep. a, going on, a, on a target without a dog. Absolutely,
1: everyone really does realize the capability that it brings to bear. You know, uh, people always ask me like, "Oh, yeah, you're you're talking bite bad guys," and I'm like, "Yeah, I can," and that is a huge, awesome asset and capability. But this dog can do something that I could never do, which is find the IED. And like, that was the most important you thing know. that I trained my dog to do, and, and kept at it. And no matter what, I was always having to do detection program uh, problems anywhere we could, Amazing. anytime we had a break in you know the deployment cycle or operations and things like that. We'd be we'd uh, be hiding IEDs. I'd even have like our you know. Afghani counterparts hide them just so I could be like keep the smell yeah, yeah. the same and things like that. Oh yeah, you know? I use so, a line like that in the in the third third novel. There we I go. Oh man. I can't wait for you to read it. Oh, you guys, getting all the teasers. <laughs> That's it. You That's know? it. And if you guys were here at Shot Show, you guys would have been privy to some of the uh, the interrogation that was conducted using the dogs. Yes, yes, I was put to the test. I, yes. I didn't
0: give anything up. Well, not I give a little bit up. You gave a little bit up. You may have much. given
1: up a little more than he wanted to. <laughs>
0: that dog was big. I mean, <laughs> I think I could have handled a seventy pounder, like I said. But uh, oh man, it was crazy. Yeah, and then. Um, yeah, we'll do, we'll do this again when we can come on and maybe talk more about uh, what happened downrange with the dogs and all that sort of thing. But um, I definitely want to talk about uh, your transition out, cool. starting up Divine Canine right. and then building Rescue 22 and all the amazing things that you're doing with that organization to help uh, help veterans with service dogs and and, uh, and how all that came about. Got it. So
1: really, my transition out of the Navy, really, I, I didn't get out thinking that I'd be going into dog training and being that that being like my calling and my profession. It kind of started with people just asking me for advice because they just knew that I knew I was doing with dogs. They knew me as the dog guy. Guys would have problems with their dogs and they'd they'd come to me. And sometimes guys would come to me with problems that I didn't know how to fix. But I'd be like, how would I fix that? So I'd do my research, I'd talk to other trainers, watch videos, read books, and I'm like, all right, this is how we're gonna tackle this problem. And then I'd fix that. And then before you know it, uh, as I got out, I really went through this phase that I think a lot of veterans go through. Where They're like, you know, what do I do with my life? What am I even doing? You know, at the time, I thought I was going to be going to law school. I was like studying for the LSAT, things like that, applying to schools. Yeah. But I started doing this dog training thing on the weekend at at a local park in Balboa. Okay. So I just did like a free dog training thing. Come ye, come all, bring your dog. However screwed up it is, just bring it We'll work on it. And it ended up growing into this thing where weekly it became like a huge crowd. Where like, you know, no first way. it was like a couple people, onesies, twosies, threesies. And then it was like 20, 30, 40 people at a time showing up until I had to make multiple days because it was like overcrowded. And no then kidding. And people would be like, I want to hire you. What do you, what, do I, what do you charge? And I was like, how much you got? I, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess I have to get a bank account for my business and a name wow. and then, you know. Divine Canines wasn't really like this. Perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. I you're love right. it. Yeah. It wasn't really like this, like, I kind of like needed a name for the LLC for the bank account.
0: Right. And I was like, uh, Divine Canines. Yeah. And then it just kind of stuck. Yep. You know? Yeah. You know, often I do that in the books. I come up with a character name in there and I'm like, I'm gonna change it later. Oh yeah. And then it grows on you. And yes. you're like, and then it becomes the, the yeah. name of the character. You
1: know? And uh from there it, it just grew, you know, and I, I uh, started helping people out that wanted protection dogs. And protection dogs are something that At the time on deployment, I thought I was like inventing this because my dog happened to be very, very social, meaning that he was very good at working with other operators, the people. He wasn't so good at working with Afghanis, but besides that, he was great with working with everybody else. Got it. But he was so social that I was like, wow, what a great idea this should be if you had a dog that had some level of this capability and yet was social with your family. I was like, I thought I invented it. Once (laughs) I got out, I realized this has been going on for a long, long time. But in the moment, I thought it was like a thing I invented. Yeah,
0: yeah, go but, with it.
1: Yeah. But uh, then I got into doing that. Started yeah. doing protection dogs, things like that. The service dog thing started happening when I had friends of mine that were going through, you know, just really, you know, a tough time transitioning out of the military. And really yeah. needed like a battle buddy. Uh, and just needed something to take their mind off some of the things they had going on. So I started just training dogs just to give them a dog. Right. You know. Yeah. And even through like our circle, we've done things where, like, you know, we're generating money. For, to, to make it happen because yeah. at first I was doing this just, just to do it. And when you're doing it on your own, you, you can only do so many. Yeah. You know, because like you still need to eat, you still need yeah. to pay bills. Right. You know, you still need to to take care of yourself. So I could do like a dog. I could do like maybe two dogs a year, you know, training for other veterans. But then then when, you know, outside funders came in and were like, hey, we believe in this too. Yeah. What if we generated money? Could you do more? I was like, well yeah, then I actually could, you know. So then that ended up happening, and I eventually got introduced to Eric Innes, who's a, you know, also former Army Ranger handler, who was really having a very similar story to mine. Okay. You know, just coming from the Army, he was helping his friends out. His okay. friends were you know, guys that, that needed dogs were coming to him, and he didn't have the answer, so he just made the answer. Okay. You know, very much similar to what I was going through on the West Coast. Right. He was going through on the East Coast. And uh, after meeting you know, Angela Connor, yep. she really put the pieces together in that you know she organized everything, handled the administrative things for the, non- the nonprofit, and really put the pieces together so that I could focus on the dogs, Eric could focus on the dogs, Angela could focus on all the financials and keeping us in good financial standing, yeah. so that I mean that's such a huge part of what the nonprofit has to do is to keep your numbers in order. Yeah. Which, you know I basically. You know, never, it's hard to do. It's a full time job. Yeah, exactly. I've never even balanced a checkbook. So, you know, <laughs> thank goodness for uh, phone apps. Because...
0: And then um, now it is the state of Florida is using uh, Rescue 22 as like a pilot program. Is yes. that the best way to, to say so, it? Do some research yep, on service called, dogs for veterans? Yeah, there's something
1: called the PAWS Act that, uh, that Governor DeSantis is put into effect that uh, is helping to fund an initiative to do the clinical research that's gonna prove definitively what service dogs are actually doing for veterans. Got it. So you know, there's other things involved in it, like there's some horse therapy, some other alternative therapies, but a large portion of it is what service dogs are doing for veterans. Because before there's been, you know, theory, and there's veterans that are case studies that are like, yes, this dog has helped me immensely. Right, but there's you, never... you need
0: the metrics, and you need the people, and you need to be able to show it in a way that, mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense to people to be able to justify funding and, and all the rest, right? Absolutely, so like, they're, they're measuring You know, everything
1: from, like, their quarters all levels to, like, you know, to being uh, interviewed with, you know, psychiatrists and things
0: like that to really judge their progress on on what is actually happening. Got it. That's incredible. Yeah. before we had the dog chomp me here in the booth at Shot, um, you were talking about one of the dogs that you've trained uh, for someone that, that whose respirator might go down yes. at night. What, what, talk to me about that. Like, How do you train a dog to do that? And that dog is trained to alert if that respirator turns off at yes. night, in which case that uh, that veteran would, would die. Yes. So
1: this veteran, he's a quadriplegic. He does need the assistance of a respirator. So if that were to malfunction or shut down, he could perish from that. So mm-hmm. And he has to live with that. You know, he does have a caretaker that, you know, watches him and things like that. He always has a caretaker, but he doesn't have any control of that. A lot of the caretakers he's had, he's had numerous. So no hate to any caretakers taking care of him right now. But I'm saying that in the past, he has had caretakers fall asleep on the job. Right. And he knows that if a caretaker falls asleep on the job and misses this opportunity, he's not waking up.
0: Amazing. So every time he goes to sleep, he knows that might be the last time. Yes. And
1: that's, that's, you know, the feeling he has. So Ali... You know, we see him over there, you probably can't see him with the camera, but right off, right off screen, we got Ollie over there. He's a, a retriever dog. That's kind of a mutt we picked up at Vesalia. He's been trained for multiple different tasks. Yeah. One of the many tasks that he's trained in is that if the respirator shuts off, the respirator gives off a little uh, signal. It gives off like a little beeping sound. That, when it's going off. Yes, so when that beeping sound happens, that triggers Ollie to go to, into the behavior he's being trained to, to do, which is to alert emergency services. Wow. So he has a little special phone that the dog can actually actuate,
0: and it calls emergency services down the street. That's that they, incredible. That they can come and and help Max. Jeez, and so that's a, that's a a one-off. That dog is specifically trained for that. And then you do other dogs that are specifically trained for other things, depending Absolutely. on what that uh, veteran is dealing with. Yeah, I mean, Ali himself
1: is being trained for a numerous tasks. That's just one of many, because that's you know, a life or death task that he's dealing with. Right. Some of them are enabling him to have a more independent lifestyle. Right. So Ali's also trained to be able to retrieve a stylus. That way, Max can type on his iPad. Amazing. He can type on his phone. He can call people. He can FaceTime. He can, you know how many different apps you can use with just a stylus? You know, amazing when i was over there and i saw what max could do with a stylus i was actually amazed no kidding yeah he could do more he could do more with a stylus than i can do with my thumb yeah that's amazing it is amazing uh but to get a stylus is another thing he has to be able to get access to it dog is trained to be able to go retrieve the stylus put it right in his mouth that is incredible
0: my god and that's uh and so you're doing that for um i mean multiple veterans across the country Mm -hmm. and rescue 22 is, is helping and it's, is it just you and Eric doing that, or do you have other trainers now that are doing those sorts of things, also help growing this thing, building it, so you can uh, help support more veterans?
1: Right now, it is evolving in the sense that Eric and I were the first trainers in the scene, mm-hmm. but we already have other trainers starting to come on the scene to help out, and a lot more are getting more involved. Yeah, that's that's
0: absolutely incredible. And then once this thing happens with, with Florida and they get all that data, um, then they'll take that, and hopefully it'll be a model for other states to use that, uh, the same program yes. um, and, uh, and use it for our veterans in those states. That's our hope. You know, Absolutely. we really
1: want to be not just a service dog nonprofit, but because it really is such a, you know, Wild West industry. You know, there's a lot of places doing it, okay. but we want to be a model and a beacon of showing how to replicate this all over the country. Because there really the need for this is so extreme that we're only making a dent in the, pro- in the problem. Yeah. We're just making a dent. But if we can make a dent that is visible enough that everyone can see, other people can probably, you know, pick up the pieces and, and, and do exactly what we're doing in other
0: states. Got it, got it. And so, talk about the, uh, the name Rescue Twenty Two. Where did the where did that come from?
1: So, Rescue Twenty Two is one because we every dog that we bring into our program right now is a rescue. So even Ollie, he came out of a, a shelter in Visalia. You know, wow. so he's a rescue. Twenty Two
0: is for the statistic that we're losing twenty two veterans a day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's twenty two too many. That's amazing. Um, and is this the majority of your time now is focused on Rescue Twenty Two and these kind of dogs, or are you still doing the uh, the dog that just almost bit my arm off? <laughs> You know,
1: uh, currently I'm doing, I have my hands on a lot of things in dogs. And I think really uh, learning different areas helps you in other areas too. Got it. You know, so I am doing protection dogs, detection dogs, behavior modification, uh, obviously the service dogs. You know, so we're doing a lot of different things. And, uh, and I enjoy it all. I really do. I really enjoy every Amazing. dog teaches me something
0: new. So I love when I'm seeing guys get out or transition and find that next purpose in life, find that next mission. Because I see, I as I was getting ready to get out, I had I was fortunate enough that I was able to take a breath. I wasn't taking guys downrange anymore for my last couple of years in, and I knew I was getting out, dropping those papers, and so I got to look around and really figure out what was important to me, but also see other people transition and see a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. and not be able to identify what they were so what they were passionate about, what was going to give them that next purpose, that next mission as they move forward, and uh, so I love seeing. It. So you're just, you're doing things. Yes, you're doing all these things with dogs. You're also, you're an example to all these people that are getting out, that are thinking about, hey, what am I gonna do next? Um, to, you're an example for, for someone that found that passion mm-hmm. and uh, which gave you a purpose and a mission. Uh, and it, it's incredible. So I love seeing that. And uh, you know, it can be anything. There's a couple guys out there doing watches. Like this watch right here. Yeah. It's a, a CIA guy made this. Uh, He's passionate about watches. Yeah. We have, of course, yeah. uh, Resco stuff in the SEAL teams. Yeah. We have guys that get out and they find something they're so passionate about. just like, you're passionate about dogs. I'm passionate about running. Writing. this guy's passionate about watches, whatever it is, but finding that, that passion that lets you transition to that next stage of life and not be defined solely by what you did before, mm-hmm. um, have it be a part of you, Obviously, and hopefully make you a better person moving forward, better husband, better father, whatever. But, uh, but, but not to live back there mm-hmm. in the past. So I think that's really uh, that's really important to identify what's uh, uh, what you're passionate about, and then go get after it. Uh, you know, using that foundation that we have in the SEAL teams to to help propel you forward. So I've, I love seeing people that are passionate like you about this sort of thing. And uh, of course, personally, uh, you know I'm I'm so so thankful and uh, you know fortunate that we know each other. And uh, you know I talk about it too much but it seems appropriate here that you're training a service dog for uh for my middle child who uh has some severe special needs and uh but for you to be able to figure out like what a dog could do for for him uh things that we never even thought about and it's just in just incredible so uh so thank you for that and uh offline my wife wants me to ask you how's it going and how's how's the dog and all oh, that stuff so we're gonna do a really whole good man. i gotta uh talk about talk awesome. about all that with you offline here but, uh, but thank you so much for, for doing that. I mean, training to track him if he happened to, I don't know how, but if he did somehow get lost, like track him down and mm-hmm. then do all these things. It's absolutely incredible. Peace so, mine. Uh, yeah, just amazing. And I sincerely, uh, sincerely appreciate that. No, thanks uh, so much. I mean, never be forgotten. You know,
1: every veteran that gets out, it goes through the struggle of finding their, their next chapter. You know, and, and I would tell anyone that is struggling out there, I would say your passion can be finding your passion, it can be that. And it might not be the thing you thought it would be, you yeah. know. And if you're if you're really just caught somewhere in a bad place, start with helping somebody. Start with helping one person, and just see where that leads. Nice. You know, that's what I did, and it led to this. So
0: as soon as you have all, all these people at Balboa Park, and yeah. all you, oh man, dude, that's amazing. I love I love that story. That is, a, is absolutely incredible. Um, and how did if someone's listening to this, veteran? Um, and they, maybe they don't even think a dog would be something that a service dog would be something that could be helpful to them. And they, they haven't even considered it. Yeah. Um, who, who's it for? Who's a service dog for? Is it, uh, is it just for somebody that, uh, that has a physical impairment that, uh, that needs help like that? Or is it, or it be, can it be more, it can be more. I mean, there's a lot of impairments that aren't
1: physical, you know, yeah. PTSD is a real thing and, you know, a lot of guys are struggling with it. And I think the stigma behind it is starting to get erased. So guys are becoming more comfortable coming forward to be able to actually say something. Because most of the guys that are coming from the teams especially, they're the last guys to ask for help. They really are. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to erase that and be like, don't be afraid to ask for help because a lot of people have already. And and you probably need it more than most. you yeah. know. So if, if you're out there and you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach out you know, to, to any organization that's doing this. Because really, uh, there, there are organizations doing this. Right now we have a backlog of about a year. Wow! You know, because like I said, this yeah. the, the need is so great. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, like I said, we're trying to make a huge dent to inspire anybody else that's going to be doing this too. Yeah, and it could be just companion dogs. someone yeah. that, That's there. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah, there's. You can get emotional support dogs, service dogs. There, uh, you can get a PTSD service dog. Uh, we do do service dogs for physical impairments, for mobility assistance, uh, for a whole hoist of things. But really, I mean, I mean the imagination is, is the extent of what you can train a dog to do to help your life. I mean, some guys are getting dogs that are trained to wake them up from nightmares. Things
0: like, things like that, you know, no kidding. Yep. That is amazing. And so how do people, how do people find, find you with either find canine or with rescue 22, or how does someone go about reaching out or even just inquiring? Sure. Like, Hey, I'm struggling. Uh, think maybe a dog might help, but I never really considered that before. Is this something that might work for me? How did someone reach out and, Got it. and uh,
1: connect with you guys? Well, to find me personally, you can find me at Divine Canines. D-E-V-I-N-E-K-nine letter S. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can also find rescue22foundation.org. That's the website. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. We're really active. We like to engage our audience, things like that. We do a lot of questions and answers. Do a lot of live streams. Uh, But really, if you're interested in getting a dog, you can reach out, put an application in. Uh, I will say, like, as of shooting this right now, we're about a year out from our backlog. But, you know, we we do get to every application and we do talk to every single person. And if you just want to reach out for questions and stuff like that, do not hesitate to reach out.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Bro... Thank you so much for doing this. I know we got to zip out of here. They yeah. got somebody coming in behind us All here right. at, uh, at the Blackhawk booth. But uh, thank you to Blackhawk and Eagle Industries. Absolutely. For, uh, for doing this. And, yep. and the dogs are wearing with Eagle harnesses on there. Yeah, I actually like those things. I've been teening awesome. them for a few months now and I
1: really, I really like them. And yeah. they look
0: cool? They do. They yep. look-
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been using them. I've been putting them to the, t- to like the
0: test out in out in real world. So amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah and, uh, and thank you so much for all your help on Savage Sun, like reaching out with all the dog, yeah. dog questions and all that yeah. stuff. I'm so excited to get that, right. that out there, and awesome. and uh, hopefully I didn't uh, mess up any of the dog stuff too much. You got it. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm fired up to get that out there, and uh, fired up for you to read it. I can't. I don't know if I'm gonna give it to you ahead of time or have it be like a surprise when it comes out because I'm super excited for you to to check that out. So, right. uh, dude, thank you so much for uh, for all you do for with Rescue 22, what you will do for uh, for my family, um, and what uh, what you've done for the country, brother. Awesome. Hey. Awesome. Hey. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad Original, presented by Sig Sauer. For more on John Divine, you can go to divinek dot You can also follow him at divine. Canine John on Instagram, or you can go to Divine Canines on Instagram as well. Be sure and follow Rescue 22 Foundation on Instagram and go to the website, rescue22foundation.org, for more on how you can support that amazing organization. If you liked our conversation, be sure to leave a five star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me at officialjackcar.com or jackcarusa.com for the merch. My next novel, In the Blood, is available for pre-order and is coming out this spring. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay strong. Be safe. Keep fighting. In case you missed it on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original. Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard.
1: Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because i have been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive? Are you conservative? A are you... A box you fit in. Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy I, or... Right, right. No. How, like, what filter should I use mm. when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always.
0: Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.